Well, Happy New Year again, the second Sunday of the New Year. It's hard to believe. Um, it seems to be going quickly. Uh, I'm happy for that. <laughs> you know, sometimes the January, February just seem to drag on endlessly, uh, but I'm, you know, we're always grateful when things seem to be going well, so I'll take it as it is. This morning, the message that I have is answering and receiving, <laughs> excuse me, asking and receiving. Asking and receiving. You know, whenever we're speaking of and speaking of prayer, um, it's, it's interesting how that you can look at prayer and how many different ways that people can address it. And I, I hope that this morning will help us um, perhaps understand the value of our prayers and, and what emphasis that Jesus has put upon them. And one, one has entitled it the law of God. And we're going to hopefully explore those things this morning. Well, we've all, we all know that we can't get everything we want. Unless you're, you know, one to five and your parents or grandparents just, you know, spoil you, you know, something like that. Or 10 or 12 or 20. So whatever it is that your parents uh, or grandparents give. But I'm being a little facetious there. But in the idea that whenever we're praying, we know that everything is not um, available uh, we're not going to get everything that we ask for and everything that we want. So the intent of this message then is what makes up a prayer that God answers? Is there certain vocabulary that we have? Is there certain words that we need to have to have God answer our prayers? Now, already I'll say no, there isn't. So because people have always tried to come up with formulas. You know, formulas, you, you pray this prayer and this will happen. Well, it may be this prayer had this something happen with it, but it doesn't mean that's the prayer that you need to have all prayers happen. So we'll find out as we go. The first text that I have is James chapter 4, verse 2. And, and I'll, I'll start with the idea of not getting, not getting what you pray for. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You crave what you do not have, you kill and covet, but are unable to obtain it. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may squander it on your pleasures. <laughs> so to whom is James speaking? Sometimes we would read the text, and if we don't put it within context, we'll say, okay, the reason God doesn't answer all prayers of all believers is they got wrong motives. And there used to be years ago that if God didn't answer your prayers, there was something wrong with you, there was sin in your life, and they went through this whole liturgy of, of things that were wrong with you. <laughs> and I always, my comeback was, when people would use that against others, they'd say, well, you know, there are times in which Jesus brought, um, had stories in which four men carried the paralytic, you know, to Jesus and lowered him down to the roof. It was the faith of the four guys who carried him that brought him to Jesus, not the, the faith of the paralytic. So those around us have as much responsibility for praying for one another as those who have a need. So in this case, those, um, this divinely inspired statement by James, who is the, the brother of Jesus, he says, you do not receive the answer to your prayers because you have wrong motives. Wrong motives. Well, look at who he's writing to. 
You do not have because you kill and covet. You're unable to obtain it. You quarrel and fight. <laughs> so these are individuals, and perhaps he's, he's addressing the Pharisees or that select group of religious leaders who were very vocal in their prayers. You know, we have the stories of Jesus or in the, New, in the, in the Gospels where the Pharisees praying, God, I thank you that I'm not like that terrible sinner, <laughs> you know. So their prayers were more of a hypocritical nature than, than they were of a sensitive, desiring God's blessing on their life. And these individuals that James is referring here to, he's saying that your prayer is useless because you ask with wrong motives. Hmm. Squandering it on your pleasures. Seeking pleasures at the expense of others or at the expense of obeying God. So you see, whenever sometimes, whenever we look at life and say, okay, I've been praying for this, and we see that, oh, something's wrong with me. Oh, the, you know, all the, we go through this lit- litany of uh, excuses trying to figure out why God didn't do or didn't answer the way that we thought he should. So what kind of need could cause us to pray? It is a desperate need, <laughs> A desperate need would dictate a desperate prayer. And that's not a bad thing. But seeking only for the true heavenly blessing, and which is God's answer to the prayer or to the need, which is God's heavenly blessing that he will bestow upon us. You do not receive because you ask wrong motives. These people, they prayed not for the good of others, not even for their own true good, but for the satisfaction of their own base nature of wanting to look good in the eyes of people. And, and one of the things I thought of as, we were, as I was writing this and putting it together, what about our prayers that have to do with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? The prayers that would say, this is going to make me look good. <laughs> this is going to make me feel good. This is going to make me more than what I am. And you see, that was what was behind this prayers that not being answered. It was that the objective of the prayer was for themselves and not for the good of others. So enough of that. I want to move on to what the, the good part is here. So our prayers then are an urgent request. They are an appeal. They are asking for a heavenly blessing. So it's not wrong to pray. And it's not wrong to ask God for anything that's on our heart and mind. But what we have to know is, what's the motive? What what moves me towards asking God for this particular item or this particular need, whether it's in my own life or the life of someone else? What moves me to do that? Well, let's look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, 1 Kings chapter 3, this is Solomon. And uh, this, uh, this, this is a very, I, I found it a very interesting statement here. Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had made this request. Now what had happened in the previous verses, that Solomon had offered a thousand bulls as a sacrifice unto the Lord, worshiping God. And so when that night, when, when he, you know, he went to sleep, God came to him, and God asked him a very, a very unusual thing, And it was, ask and I will give it to you. 
Ask and I will give it to you. Now, you hold that thought and we go into the New Testament, into the Sermon on the Mount, and then Jesus says, ask and I will give it to you. Wow. And we look at Solomon and, you know, this is <laughs> thousand, this is, you know, um, I don't know how many years, 800 years, but a thousand, you know, somewhere in 800 years, maybe a little longer. Sorry about that. But before Jesus, uh, before Christ comes. And so we have Solomon, who is this, this man who is, has enough wisdom to know he doesn't have enough wisdom. And so he asked, God said to him, since you have asked for this, instead of requesting long life or wealth for yourself or death for your enemies, but you have asked for discernment to administer justice. Now, remember what the guys, the problem the guys had that weren't having their prayers answered? They were basically looking at themselves. They were fighting among themselves. And at, the, at that little clip, um, James says, you have not because you ask not. They were so busy fighting with each other, they didn't bother to ask God for what they really wanted. So they started, you know, badgering each other. Well, here, God says that he is pleased with Solomon. Solomon wanted to have a wisdom, a discerning heart. Behold, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So what we have here with Solomon is his motive. His motive was that he, he had um, a disinterested self-interest. <laughs> he was not interested in serving himself. He was interested in serving the people. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have the motive, and you see, sometimes what we, you know, we can ask for anything is not, all, you know, everything is on the table. <laughs> everything in life is on the table that we can ask for. But what happens is, for us, and it's just, the, you know, it isn't that this is the, the seven deadly sins. This is wrong motive. We have, we have I'm, I'm getting it for make me look good, make me feel good, it's going to make me more than what I am. You know what? Somebody's going to be really impressed if whenever the God answers this prayer, because he'll, they'll know, sorry, not going to happen. God's not going to answer that prayer. So you see, with Solomon, he was not interested in serving himself. He had a spirit that desired above all things to honor God. Because he recognized that he was the leader of God's people. And he followed a very great man, his father, King David. And, he, and he, he, his desire was that for the good of, of his people, of those that he was serving, to direct his conduct in a right manner, to do justice for his kingdom. And, 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 this, and the request was such that God says, Solomon, there's not going to be another person ever born that has as much wisdom and understanding as you. Wow. So Solomon, and God says, because you didn't ask, <laughs> you didn't ask for long life, you didn't ask for extreme wealth, and you didn't ask that all your enemies would be killed and die, you asked for wisdom so that God could work through him to touch the lives of others. So we find that he was smart enough to know that he wasn't smart enough. <laughs> and uh, he became the wisest, wisest of men who'd ever lived. But now we move to the divine law. So we, 
we, we have what we shouldn't have. We have the, the understanding of what we can have. And then we move to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. And this is what is considered the divine law. Ask, and it will be given to you. That's the divine law. Ask, and it shall be given you. Outside of God's revelation of his love to us, that is the greatest statement that's there in the scriptures. Ask, and it shall be given to you. How else are we going to know the divine if we don't speak with him? How else are we going to know the extent of his love for us and the people that we are serving and, and those around us if we don't speak with him? And there are things that are greater than anything we can do on ourselves. Life has so many things beyond our abilities and beyond our needs. So what are we going to do with them? Ask, and it will be given to you. Now, <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. And the rest of the scripture is, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receiveth, and, who, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. <laughs> now, what... Christian has heard this and come back and said, is it really that easy? <laughs> I mean, whenever I made that statement, you know, it's like, ask and it will be given to you. It can't be that easy. <laughs> You've got to have faith. Well, if you don't have faith, you won't be asking. So you have faith enough to ask. The scripture says, if any man lack faith, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, and it doesn't hold back one bit. So if we, we realize we don't have enough faith, our, our faith, our ask is, God, I need more faith. Why? To live my life and to serve you like, like Solomon. It's not about what it's going to do for me, but it's how that you are going to be glorified in all that I do. And Solomon was the, the wealthiest... <laughs> Uh, uh, one of the wealthiest kings of his time, probably one of the wealthiest of, uh, of all time. But, you know, and he became distracted, but God granted him this wisdom and understanding. And when you read uh, some, uh, some of Solomon's writings, I mean, you, you'd think that he was on a submarine down in the depths of the sea. <laughs> How could he know this stuff that was in the depths of the sea? And he's not wrong in what he writes. Because he had a wi the wisdom of God. And in our lives, there is this divine wisdom that can come to us because we ask. Make you smarter than what you are? Yeah. <laughs> he who made us has the ability to expand this and create uh, this understanding that is greater than we ever thought or imagined. So we look at this and can it really be that easy? <laughs> ask and you will be given to you. Now, this is the second time Jesus returns to this subject of prayer in this Sermon on the Mount because the first time was whenever he talked about the Lord, what we have or know as the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. So Jesus gave that as an outline of a prayer for them to, for his disciples to have. 
And then he comes to this that is in our text. And it teaches us what the scripture is considered the most important things in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The assurance that prayer will be heard and that our prayer will be answered. The assurance God gives to every one of his believers, every one of his followers, is that every prayer will be heard and every prayer will have an answer. Doesn't mean we're going to get a yes, <laughs> but it means that God will answer. You see, when God gives us a no, <laughs> you're not going to do that, there is this peace of God that passes understanding that God is still in control, even though I have a no. <laughs> you know, when you tell the children no, they sometimes have temper tantrums and things like that, but I've never seen an adult do that. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. <laughs> so... Uh, here is the six, I like this. Here we have the six-fold declaration that Jesus wants to impress upon our mind. And what is the six-fold declaration? You shall receive, you shall find, and it shall be opened unto you. Jesus gives us the grounds for such an assurance that it is called the law of the kingdom of God. For he that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, will find. And to him that knocks, it will be opened. This is the divine, think about it, it's the divine law, just like, thou, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. You shall have no other gods before you. You know, all, we have ten commandments, but this is the law that is specifically given to us by God, and he's telling us, this is what you hold in place Whenever you begin to ask, ask, and you shall receive. Do we see the impression Jesus is making on this? He says that we must confidently expect an answer. We must confidently expect God to answer. You know, <laughs> do you send out cards, letters, whatever, you know, we sent out a, a letter to uh, our son, David Michael, in Missouri. And we got it back about two months later. And it was all tore and whatever. The, the, the check was still in there. It was his birthday. And, uh, you know, it came back. And it was like, we kept asking, did you get, the, did you get your letter? No. Well, what, what were we doing? We put a stamp on it. We put the right address on it. And we put it in the mail. Our expectation is they're going to get it. Well, what happens when they don't get it? There's something wrong. <laughs> well, we must confidently expect an answer to the prayer. We have a confidence and an expectation in the mail system, <laughs> but do we have that same confident expectation that God hears and answers our prayers? Well, maybe I didn't put enough stamps on it. <laughs> no. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Next to receiving the revelation of God's love stands this revelation that everyone asks receives. Now, perhaps the first thought that enters your mind is, after hearing this statement is, that it has not worked up for me. <laughs> I've asked, I've prayed, 
Nothing changes. Well, it doesn't say that things are going to change. It says that God is going to answer. And how God answers, and in the time frame that God is answering, may be completely off of your time frame. Most of, you know, many times whenever we pray, we ask God for something, and you've got three minutes or three, three days, whichever comes, you know, it's like 60 seconds or 60 feet, whichever comes first. That's how long you've got to answer my prayer. Well, God has his own timetable. And it's interesting, Jesus knows how easy it is for us to doubt. He knows what it is for us to distrust, to have a, a natural distrust for God. Um, how, how, how we can be relaxed in, in having our prayers, and it's like we fulfilled our religious obligation, we'll just see what happens. I ask and we'll see what happens. And the other one is um, that somehow my prayer is... Well, it's just something too high for me, too difficult, too spiritual for me to attain. I don't, I, don't, I don't live on that spiritual plane. Jesus doesn't ask that of us. He doesn't say, you become more spiritual and you'll, get this, you'll have this answer. No, he says to us, ask, ask and you will receive. Now, we have to watch because <laughs> sometimes we ask for things that are for us, that are going to make me really look good, <laughs> you know, my Lamborghini, going to make me look good, going to make me feel good driving down the road, it's going to make me more than what I am, I got a Lamborghini and nobody else has, you know, I don't think God's going to answer my prayer, <laughs> why, because of the motive of that, whole, of that whole thing. But, you know, praying for someone and giving towards someone who needs a, um, a pickup truck, a four-wheel drive pickup truck in Central America or in Africa to do their ministry, now that's important because that has more than, it's, gonna, it's more than greater than I. It's going to be helpful to the man or the woman working in their ministry. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other. You know, those people who were fighting with one another and, you know, you don't have because you, you fight, you quarrel, and all that kind of stuff. He says, confess your sins. So there is a dependency that we have on one another that, that whatever, whatever I'm praying for in your life and you're praying for in my life is not going to make me better or less than you. Pray for each other that, no, that you may be healed. The understanding is that God has the ability to restore health to us. And it's my responsibility to pray for you and your responsibility to pray for me. For the prayer of a righteous man has great power to prevail. Prevail means to prove powerful. It's to prove more powerful than a, a, an opposing force. So when we pray for one another we can prevail in prayer for that individual that the force that is opposing them can't oppose them <laughs> because the power of God is greater. So ask and ye shall receive. James 5.15 And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. 
Prayer has the ability to change our life and the lives of those for whom we pray. This is a fixed, eternal law in the kingdom of God. I never realized that. This is a fixed, eternal law in the, in the kingdom of God. We see a glimpse of it in the Old Testament when God appears to Solomon, ask and it will be given you. That same wording is the same wording used by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and you shall receive. So God did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So we see that this phraseology that is there is something that is very important for us to integrate into our, who we are. What we are to do when faced with adversity, we are to pray. Ask and you will receive. Prevail. You are more powerful in Christ than any force that opposes you. So, hold on. <laughs> Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Learn how to pray. Well, what is it that I need? And it's not for selfish reasons. Even if it is to bless my life, it is still being blessed by God is part of who my father is in blessing his children. And blessings differ from one situation to the other. So we can ask, everyone that asketh receiveth. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, find, knock, door open. What greater thing can Jesus say to us? What greater thing can Jesus say to us? See, our faith is based on what Jesus told us. This isn't a formula. This is, what, this is what Jesus told us. It's been in the book for 2,000 years, and even longer if we go back to the Old Testament. Hebrews 4.16, Let us then come boldly to the throne of grace, that we are to enter with confidence whenever we pray, that God is able to hear us and answer. <laughs> Jesus declares that everyone that asketh receiveth. Jesus has a good reason for speaking so unconditionally. For you see, prayer is our connection with the divine. And God's word is the divine connection with us. So when we question or doubt that we have prayed and it doesn't come about, or there are difficulties and we are confronted and we have these things eating away at our faith, all we have to do is entrust them to God, not try and figure them out. When is this going to happen? How can we help this prayer get answered? Well, God is telling us, trust him. Trust him for the answer. He will give us the answer, and even if the answer is no, it's okay, because God has a better way. And we know that because God has works all things together for divine good. So God is at work in everything in our life, and we are called to look at God and look at our life and offer our life in prayer to God and ask for the things that will make our life better. And if, it, if it's caught up in pride or in self-glorification or in whatever, it's not going to happen. But if it is... And if it is the will of God to bless that which we are, 
and who we are as a person to help us be more capable of learning or bring back to our remembrance the things that we have studied. Those are things that are important to us and to give us wisdom and understanding. According to Jesus in this text, he pray, his prayer has two parts, has two sides, a human and a divine. One side is us, asking and receiving. It's all part of the same side. So if we had a coin here, we'd have heads and tails. The heads would, the, oh, we'll put ourselves as a tail. The tail is that we ask and we, are, and we receive. We have to have the ability to ask and we have to have the ability to receive. If we feel that we are not worthy to have what God wants to bless us with, we won't get it. Because it isn't that we are worthy or unworthy, it's that we are his child and that makes us worthy. The other side of the coin is the divine. But without the divine, there is no asking and hearing and receiving. In the Old Testament, saints learn to know God as the living God, the one who is ever with them. And I have Psalm 38, 34, excuse me. And I just want to read a few verses. To, and, and the reason I put this here is because when we pray, we need to add praise. We need to add assurance to our prayers. And this is what the, the psalmist says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul boasts in the Lord. Let the oppressed hear and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So you see, here's an individual who has asked and received, and this is the bounty of his soul speaking to God. So this is the thing we need to look at and keep in our hearts and minds, that the bounty of others who have received God's blessing be part of our expectation of God blessing us and answering our prayers. We find that the humanness that we have and that we are can sometimes eat away at our expectation. But we must remember God has an appointed time. God has an appointed time. Sometimes when we pray, what we are praying for has to happen at a certain time. And we haven't arrived at that time period yet. But God, God will answer. God will put that answer in place when it comes to that time. And so in our lives, we must not be disappointed because something isn't taking place as quickly as we would like. You know, God, we, would, we, we, we trust you. We just want the answer now. You know, but we're patient. Now is fine. <laughs> but every petition is to be directed to heaven by listening, every petition is to be directed to heaven and listening for God to respond. Every time we pray, let us take time to hear his voice because everyone that asks receives. <laughs> so let us seek not only in our prayers, but in other times, when we are not praying, 
when we're going about our daily life, we're still living in a state of expectancy. Jesus, teaching on prayer, said so plainly, it will be given to the one who asks. You will find if you seek. The door will be open to the one who knocks. Lord, teach us to pray. It isn't in the words. It isn't in the reciting the Our Father. It is in recognizing that I have a need that is greater than who I am and that I should not try to do it on my own. I should ask that God would help me. And God is willing and able and wanting to be involved in the whole process. We must remember that prayer by its very nature, by its definition, is seeking God for an answer. James 2.2, you have not because you ask not. You see, we can be grumbling and complaining and fighting and quarreling and all this other stuff, and God says, stop it and ask for what you want. Don't depend on other people, and don't put yourself in a comparison relationship. Ask me. Everyone that asks receives. This is, the this is the assurance that the law of the kingdom of God, just as, as real as the law, thou shalt have no other gods before you, Jesus says to us, ask and you will receive. That is another law in the kingdom of God. To the, to the person who seeks, they will find. To him that knocks, it will be opened. And so we must first ask if anything is going to be done, we need to ask. Because in the asking, we have enough faith for the receiving. Ask. Remember, there's not always a yes, but we must know that if we don't ask, you don't get. You have not because you ask not. So therefore, in faith and in understanding, I ask. Jesus says he hears and he answers our prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayers. And Lord, in this moment of time, whatever the need is in our life, whatever it is that we are facing, in our hearts and our minds, we ask. Whether it's for healing for ourselves or restoration or finances, whatever, God, we ask. And you, are, you hear our prayers, and we will receive an answer. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen? So be it, Lord, even as we have spoken, as your word has spoken. Amen.